Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in for Simon Morris, this week on a special streaming edition of At The Movies. A structural engineer attempts to save his family from a planet-killing comet. The shelters are classified. How do they even know where they're going? They've been tracking the military flights to Greenland. Greenland? You should come with us. Ah, thanks. i got to find my wife and family here in Kentucky. Ordinary citizens of today are conscripted to fight an army of aliens who invade Earth 30 years into the future. Your tour of duty will be seven days. That's 168 hours. At the end of your tour, if the jump band attached to your arm determines that you are still clinically alive, are there any doctors? You will automatically be jumped back from wherever you are, and your tour of duty will be complete. Composer Max Richter writes an eight-hour lullaby called Sleep. Sleep has a very particular flavour. It's a very particular colour, right? Because it's all about the bottom of the frequency spectrum. And almost all of sleep happens from like 100 hertz down, which is a space which isn't really available with acoustic instruments. And the nation-building authority in Australia struggles to get some traction in the realm of infrastructure. If you could click your fingers and get the government to do anything you wanted, what would it be? Close the camps. No. Legalise gay marriage. Stop clicking. No, no. In terms of the tech startup community, um, you would like the government to... Keep out of our way. No, then what? Well, here we are again. With cinemas closed, we're all forced to find our entertainment at home via free-to-air or streaming platforms. Luckily, there's plenty to choose from, and I hope my choices in this program open up a few possibilities for you. But I recognise that all of the selections this week come from paid services, Neon, Amazon Prime, DocPlay and Netflix. Not many of us will have access to all of those at the same time, it's true. But many offer 7 or 14 day trials so you can watch something that I've recommended or if you're feeling perverse, something that I haven't recommended. And there are some excellent options from the free services offered by local broadcasters. TVNZ On Demand's selection gets better all the time, but I'd really recommend you check out Māori Television On Demand, not just for their own programming in Te Reo and English, but also some surprising movie selections. Right now, you can watch Kieran Knightley as the French author Colette, or Johnny Depp and Leonardo DiCaprio in What's Eating Gilbert Grape from 1993. Or you could return to the days of the video store rental, and pay for one movie at a time. 
Nowadays, you're not restricted to what Apple, Google, or Microsoft are renting. You can find films to watch right now from RO Video in Wellington, the Academy Cinema in Auckland, the New Zealand International Film Festival's rental collection, or the New Zealand Film Commission's selection of restored Kiwi masterpieces. I'll put links to all those options in the show notes to the program on our webpage, and if I'm still doing this shift next week, I might focus on some of the highlights. In the meantime, have a good old rummage around. You don't have to be stuck with whatever Netflix tells you they want you to watch. Just in time, one of the first chunks is about to hit. Clark is going to hit! Only part of it? I mean, don't worry, it's going to the ocean. Dad, come and sit with me! Yeah, just gotta go talk to your mom for a second. Hey. Where's the bear one? It's in the car. Listen, I just got one of those presidential alerts. Did you get one? No. It's probably just a test. Can you go to the car and get the stuff? No, I, mean, I don't think it's a test. They said our family's been selected for shelter. I think something weird is going on with this comet. But the news said the fragment thing is falling somewhere near Bermuda. That's nowhere near us. half of our military on the move with a ton of planes in the sky? Hey, John, here it comes. At times like these, when it all seems like we're going to hell in a handcart, it is sometimes comforting to know that at least we're not all going to be destroyed by a giant comet from another solar system in what the scientists call an extinction-level event. OK, maybe not, but in slightly less perilous times, the good old disaster movie did a job of reminding us of how lucky we are. We're not at a cocktail party on the top floor of San Francisco's tallest building, which also happens to be on fire. We're not in a capsized cruise ship with Gene Hackman and Shelley Winters. We get to go home after the film, or if we've been watching in our lounge, go upstairs to bed safe and sound. Maybe we hold our loved ones a little bit tighter. If it's a particularly good disaster film, one with a bit of ethical or moral difficulty, you might even wonder, what would I do in that situation? Greenland is a film that was ready to hit cinemas just before COVID arrived last year, and then it got delayed more than once before going to video on demand and now to streaming. After watching it this weekend, I can see why. It's pretty bleak, and my sense is that we weren't in the mood for something quite that hopeless. I don't mean hopeless in the qualitative sense. It's actually not bad for what it is. But it doesn't give an optimist much to hold on to, put it that way. Gerard Butler plays John Garrity, a structural engineer going home to visit his estranged wife Alison and seven-year-old son Nathan. It's Nathan's birthday, and coincidentally the neighbourhood is coming on over for a barbecue and to watch some fragments of a passing comet splash down in the Atlantic Ocean. It's going to be spectacular and educational, they think. But no, it doesn't really go according to plan. That these images, unfortunately we have lost contact with our affiliates in that area. The, uh, it's a presidential alert. We're obviously way off. And uh, we are. Why did your phone get it and not ours? Get uh, people around that can report firsthand what it is they have experienced or what it is they have. This is John, Alan, Garrity. You have been selected for emergency shelter relocation with Dad, Allison, Rose, Garrity, Nathan, Nathan. Beckett, Garrity. No one else is around with you. 
Robbins Air Force Base, Warner Robbins, Georgia, at 9.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Comet Clark is splintering into thousands of pieces and causing death and destruction everywhere those pieces land. Garrity has been selected as one of the few people the Department of Homeland Security can save, but he must get his family to an Air Force base in Georgia by midnight. As for the neighbours, well, they're just out of luck. There's your first moral conundrum. Save your family and abandon your friends. It doesn't take too long for Man of Action Garrity to work that one out. When they get to the airbase, it is bedlam. The place is surrounded by panicking citizens as well as those who have actually been selected. Inside the hangar they discover that Nathan's insulin has gone missing and worse, the fact that he's a diabetic at all means he's not getting on that plane. In chaotic scenes that were upsettingly reminiscent of what we've been witnessing at Kabul airport recently, the family are separated. I'm sorry ma'am, you should have been informed anyone with a chronic condition can't be on the plane. It's just diabetes. No, his medical condition should have been flagged at screening. Sorry. Look, if I hadn't said anything to the guard outside, he would have no idea that he had a pump. I'm afraid there's nothing I can do about that, ma'am. You can pretend that you didn't see it. Ma'am, I didn't write the rule. Sorry. Then ignore it! I mean, what if this was your family? My family wasn't selected, ma'am. 99% of armed forces weren't. We are all volunteers here just doing our jobs. I'm sorry. I am. But please, his father, my husband, is on one of those planes right now. What am I supposed to do? The next few hours is a series of desperate attempts to be reunited while the world is falling apart around them. Some characters they meet seem malevolent but turn out to be decent humans, others the complete opposite. All against a backdrop of wanton, random, fiery destruction. You never know when a fragment is going to come your way and change all your plans. Garrity, atoning for some dreadful betrayal of the family that happens before the movie starts, is on a mission, but he never becomes a superhero. He's just stubborn and determined to try anything and everything. I've never been a big fan of Gerard Butler. In fact, if you go to my website, Funerals and Snakes, you'll discover that I'm pretty much the exact opposite. But this is Scottish Gerard Butler, more lived-in and authentic, and I found him much more acceptable. Maybe I'm mellowing. Just don't let him make any more smug romantic comedies or big buffet action films. Alison is played by Morena Baccarin, Deadpool's love interest, and she's great. And Scott Glenn turns up near the end as the sceptical father-in-law with the homespun country wisdom. When Greenland works, it's because writer Chris Sparling and director Rick Roman wore a foregrounding character rather than the special effects. But I have to say, after watching it twice, and then listening to it a third time to get some clips, I do feel pretty beaten up by the whole experience. So my boy Manny, that's driving. He knows some pilots in Canada. That's where we're all headed. They give me some people rides to the shelters. The shelters are classified. How do they even know where they're going? They've been tracking the military flights to Greenland. Greenland? You should come with us. Ah, uh, thanks. I gotta find my wife and family here in Kentucky. 
So find them and then meet up with us after. We're taking off from Osgood. It's a small city right across the border. How do you know you're even going to get in? Only one way to find out, right? Greenland is rated M for violence and it's streaming on Amazon Prime or you can rent it on Neon or Apple's iTunes for $7.99. We are you. 30 years in the future. We are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human. And we are losing. In 11 months' time, all human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the earth unless you help us we need you our fathers mothers and grandparents we need you to fight beside us if we stand a chance at winning this war this is a joke you are our last hope. I want to apologise now because I usually try and avoid picking films that are too similar unless there's really nothing else to choose from. But I discovered too late in the process that uh, The Tomorrow War had a few coincidences with Greenland, which is kind of embarrassing when you can choose from literally everything. Like Greenland, The Tomorrow War has a hangar full of confused people having orders barked at them by the military. It has a planetary extinction threat from space and it has a gruff father figure who after some frosty moments helps the hero achieve his goal. Unlike Greenland though, there's absolutely no attempt to ground the story in any kind of reality, except maybe gravity, and it's a much less discomforting and much more forgettable watch. Originally planned as a theatrical tentpole for Paramount pre-COVID, as release dates started to slip around the world, the studio sold it to Amazon Prime for roughly the same amount as they paid to make it. At 200 million US dollars, it cost roughly five times Greenland, and it will take a lot of $5.99 monthly subscriptions to make that back. But while it does look like a $200 million film, a lot of that spent on Mr. Pratt, I would imagine, it doesn't sound like one. On my system at home, I found that the quiet scenes were very hard to hear and the loud ones blew our eardrums out. Pratt plays an Iraq veteran Green Beret now teaching high school biology and feeling a little unfulfilled. All that changes when, at a party, which is another coincidence with Greenland, the guests see a squad of military types appear out of nowhere in the middle of a World Cup football game. They're from the future, where monstrous aliens called White Spikes are rapidly taking over the world. With the human population down from almost 8 billion to 500,000, they need reinforcements, and they're not very fussy. They will conscript citizens of modern-day Earth, drop them into a war zone 30 years in the future, and if you survive seven days, you get to go home again, hopefully having taken out a couple of monsters on the way. Mr. Pratt, having some experience in combat, finds himself in something of a leadership position. Okay, Dan, listen up. I got imagery up of your team, and I see that you're a soldier, so I'm going to be real with you. White Spikes have overrun the city and we can't stop them, so we're going to have to clean it. Clean it? 
A blanket bombardment has been ordered. Get me an ETA on that right now. On me. They're going to eradicate every living thing so there is nothing left. Wait, they're gonna do that to here? I got one problem, Dan, and I'm gonna need your help. Get me that map of the lab now. My research team is stranded in a lab by your location, and they are surrounded by the enemy, so you and your unit are now on a rescue mission. And since you have experience running CSAR, I need you to get my team out of there. You got it, Dan? Copy that command. Listen, everybody, we're on a CSAR, all right? It's combat, search, and rescue. Our destination is this research facility. I need every able-bodied person on this rooftop to follow me. The Tomorrow War wants to be every kind of movie. It's a disaster movie like Greenland. It's a monster movie. It's a war film. It's science fiction. It's time travel. It's crammed full of familiar ideas, and the filmmaker's hope is that this combination will seem novel enough to keep you interested for two hours and 20 minutes, which it doesn't quite. The best performance in the film is Yvonne Strofsky, who is probably best known as Serena Waterford in The Handmaid's Tale. Here she gets to play the action hero, as well as the leader of what's left of the free world in 2052. Stealing every scene, as he always does, is J.K. Simmons as the crusty old estranged father, who just happens to have a very special set of alien bashing skills. Chris Pratt, though, reveals some of his limitations. He doesn't get a chance to turn on the charm, as he does so easily in Guardians of the Galaxy or Jurassic Park, because he spent so much of the film shooting at monsters, and it just doesn't seem as if he's brought all of himself to this film this time. The twists and turns are pretty well signalled in The Tomorrow War, and it falls well short of the film I think it would kill to be. Edge of Tomorrow from 2014, the one where Tom Cruise gets respawned every time he's killed by aliens, until he learns some important life lessons. That was high concept, but full of surprises, and extremely well made. The Tomorrow War is only one of those things. Of course, there's going to be a sequel. You want to see something really dangerous? I feel like literally that's all I've been doing since I got here, but okay. What is that? That's not what I saw in Miami. No, the ones that you fought in Miami were the males. This is the female. She's very aggressive and much more rare. They typically nest underground, and the males are fiercely protective. They would die to defend her. All they seem to care about is the survival of the species. Teacher! Carry on. All right, listen up, everybody. Greenwood, this is Dan Forrester. He's going to be joining us for the extraction. He's going to need full armor. The toxin kills the males just fine. It makes quite a mess of them, actually. But when we sent a team in to clean out the nests, we found dozens of dead males and her. So the female survived the toxin. And now you want to find out why I didn't kill her? In order to find out what can. Tomorrow War is rated PG-13, and it's streaming on Amazon Prime now. Hi, hello, welcome to this performance of Sleep, an eight-hour lullaby. I'm joined this evening by the Acme Ensemble and Grace Davidson. There are no rules. Uh, Listen as you like, sleep as you like. Maybe switch the phones off and enjoy the trip. We'll see you on the other side. And now for something... I wholeheartedly recommend. 
We've become quite fond in our house of the music of Max Richter since we first became aware of him from the soundtrack to the best American TV series of the previous decade, The Leftovers. That music drew on themes that he had been exploring since his first CD came out in 2001, and like many great composers, he has been subsidising his less commercial work with high-profile film and television soundtracks. My wife can spot him from a hundred paces now, and his music has graced some pretty wonderful films. Waltz with Bashir, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, The Congress, The Lunchbox, Ad Astra. In 2015, he embarked on his most ambitious project yet, an eight-and-a-half-hour concept album called Sleep, designed to be the soundtrack to a full night's rest. Richter calls it a lullaby. You can buy it digitally and on CD, although getting up to change the discs might defeat the purpose somewhat. And it's been performed live about a dozen times in different cities around the world, with a ten-piece orchestra, including a soprano, and Richter himself on piano and keyboards, surrounded by an audience on camp cots who've brought their own bedding. Many will sleep through the performance, most for some and some for all, And the film Max Richter's Sleep, which is streaming now at docplay.com, centres on a 2018 performance outdoors in Grand Park, Los Angeles, with an audience of over 500. The director, Natalie Johns, with the help of some drones, levitates above the park, but we also meet some of the audience to hear from them what they anticipated and what they got from the mesmeric and transporting music. Richter's partner, Yulia, who co-produces the concerts and who is clearly a creative force to be reckoned with, Richter calls her the brains of the outfit, features a lot as we learn about their relationship, their creative partnership and meet their delightful children. But it is Richter himself who is the star of the show. My work comes out of a polarity between a very straightforward classical conservatoire university composer education and my enthusiasm for electronic music, ambient music, the studio as instrument. It has its roots in the kind of Renaissance where music was structured very geometrically. It's also a rejection of the super complicated modernism, which I was schooled in, but which I felt had really lost its connection with a broader audience. Born in Germany, but raised in the home counties of England, Richter has one of those voices that you could listen to for hours, not least because what he says is so insightful, but also because it's so gentle and the tone is so pleasant. He's very soothing. In fact, the whole film is very calm, as you might expect, There's a surprising amount of science involved in the thinking behind Richter's sleep. He worked with a neuroscientist to understand the different stages of what was happening to our brains so he could mimic or lie alongside the natural rhythms and processes and try and find musical language to express it. It's not often that you come across a documentary that you know you'll want to watch over and over again, But Max Richter's sleep reminds us of the delightful power human beings have to dream up amazing ideas 
and make them reality. It's going to be some time before I'll get the chance to experience Max Richter's sleep in person, if I ever do. So for now, this wonderful documentary will have to do. I took the spectrum, the sonic spectrum, that uh, the unborn baby hears in the womb, which is basically no high frequencies, because the mother's body filters all of those. So I've used that spectrum for almost the entire piece. And then around sort of seven hours, the spectrum opens up, so you get more and more high frequencies. So there's kind of a sunrise, an acoustic sunrise. Max Richter's Sleep is rated PG and is streaming at docplay.com now. Zero buts. So? Emails are not getting through. What? I've still got no coverage. Oh, this is a disaster. T-shirts have come up good. You mean the idea that the Telegraph line has become a broadband network? Yep. Yeah. The Prime Minister and half the press gallery are flying up to launch the broadband network. Oh, I see the problem. Yep. So ditch the T-shirts. We've got to get onto them. I could try again. Yeah, try again, actually. Oh, I could drive to Adelaide. In 20 minutes. There's got to be some way to get a message through to them. I guess we could... Guess we could what? To Prime Minister Party, network down, no satellite or ADSL, stop. Must stop broadband launch, stop. Repeat, stop launch, stop. We don't normally talk about television comedy on this program, but I feel like I owe you something lighter. And at 32 half-hour episodes, I do feel that you will be getting your lockdown money's worth with this one. It's called Utopia, and it ran on the ABC in Australia for four seasons from 2014 to 2019. We got the DVD of season one as a wedding present and loved it, but had no easy way to watch the rest of it until it turned up on Netflix earlier this year. Utopia is produced by Working Dog Productions, who've been a fixture in the Australian comedy scene for nearly 30 years, and responsible, if that's the right word, for the classic films The Castle and The Dish, and the TV comedies Frontline and The Hollow Men. Amazingly, the writing and directing team of Rob Sitch, Santo Chilauro and Tom Gleisner with producer Jane Kennedy have been working together since the mid-80s when they formed the D-Generation Breakfast radio team. And on the evidence of Utopia, they're still going strong. Sitch plays Tony Woodford, the much-put-upon CEO of Australian federal government agency The Nation Building Authority. It's their job to cut through the red tape that prevents big infrastructure projects from happening, bypassing the NIMBYs and getting buy-in from the stakeholders, that sort of thing. But as is so often the case, their efforts are thwarted time and again by incompetence out of their control. All of the clips today are from Season 3, Episode 5, in which our team try and catch Australia up to Silicon Valley and kickstart the start-up scene. So, updates? Uh, yep, I've done a ring around. There's a ton of local mobs. OK, that's good. Uh, there's Snazza, just up the road. They're happy for us to drop by for a chat. Oh. I've also spoken to a couple of kids from Cubabla who are intrigued. What did Cubabla do? Virtual reality, uh, I think. Some think they could be the next Shahoozle. Oh, right. Yeah. Mr Wiffle said it didn't sound like something for them. Mr Wiffle? Mm. You mean the ice cream place across the road? Ah, that explains it. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. 
Whiffler. I'll give them a call. As soon as possible, because I want to get this off my desk. Mm -hmm. So there's much gold to be mined from Australia's fairly inflated sense of its own importance and the self-interested politicians and political and media advisers derailing projects like fast trains or cross-city tunnels or a second Sydney airport. On another level... It's also like a family comedy, with Sitch in the role of the harassed dad who never gets his way, surrounded by wacky characters who won't do what they're told. But at its heart, it's a classic workplace comedy, getting plenty of mileage out of flaky Wi-Fi, office recycling, new security systems, and the mysteries of HR. Working Dog have been following much the same format for decades. Utopia feels very like Frontline did in 1994, only it is honed to a razor-sharp edge now. The pace is superb, and the jokes come thick and fast, so much so that we at home will often be laughing from beginning to end, and, and I don't make that claim lightly. For the last couple of months, whenever we felt like we needed a palate cleanser after a heavy drama, or even a big day, We've gone to Utopia and haven't been disappointed. I thought I opted out. Apparently you can only opt out at the opt-out stage. Oh, that's ridiculous. And I promised Liz she gets marked down if customers don't fill in the survey. All right, let's make this quick. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rank the following? Courtesy level of staff. 10. Promptness of service. 10. Cleanliness of loan vehicle. Uh, 10. Quality of coffee in customer lounge. Oh, 9. What was wrong with the coffee? Nothing. But you gave it a nine. Well, I can't give everything a ten. Was it the bean? No. Burnt notes? What? No. Tony, you gave it a nine. Uh, all right. Uh, the lid was a little wobbly. So nine. Yep, nine. Keep going. Overall general impression and experience? Ten. Any other comments? No. So just the lids? Just the lids. We done? Yep. Good. Utopia is rated 13 plus and all four seasons are streaming on Netflix now. We're playing ourselves out with one of Max Richter's most famous compositions, On the Nature of Daylight, from his 2004 album The Blue Notebooks. It's been used in many films, TV shows and trailers, most notably Denis Villeneuve's Arrival in 2016. I'm Dan Slevin and you can find me on Twitter as at Dan Slevin, that's all one word, and there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen. At the movies, we'll be back at roughly the same time next week with more selections from the world of online and theatrical screen entertainment. Do join us then. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.